Easy out of here. But if I tell you I don't wanna be a player, I could be your Clyde if you be my Bonnie Bay. Give you my time only if you show me patience. Teach me how to love you, I ain't used to being famous. I can let you drive the Bentley, just don't drive me crazy. I can buy you Birkins, let you take out. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you do me a favor, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. So, with the regular season coming to a a, a furious end in the, in, in the NBA, there's been talks going on. And, of course, those talks are award talks. Who's going to win the most improved? Who's going to win defensive player of the year? Who's going to win coach of the year? And, of course, the biggest regular season award there is, is the MVP. And you, you always hear, there's usually a constant two or three that you hear throughout the year. Uh, but towards the end of the season, you start they start throwing out different names. Uh, you start hearing... Uh, there's always a there's always a question about you know who is the MVP who should win the MVP should it be the highest score should it be the person that's maybe more important to their team should it be the most flashy person there's always a conversation and that's where we start today first and foremost shouts out to Giannis and Tetacupo becoming the all-time leading scorer in Bucks history, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar the other night against Brooklyn. We, I mean, we know who Giannis is. We know how great Giannis is. And to do that in a, in a fairly um, short career is incredible. So shout out to Giannis for that. But like I said, there are questions. With, with Giannis doing that and with Giannis, you know, finishing the season strong in Milwaukee, I think second right now in the East or first or second. Questions are, or there's a, you're hearing a lot of Giannis is this year's MVP. Giannis is this year's MVP. Now, if you think back to a couple months ago, while Giannis was in the MVP conversation, he was more third, fourth, fifth. You heard a lot of Joel Embiid. You heard a lot of Nikola Jokic uh, when he was healthy, especially early in the season. You heard a lot of Steph Curry. You heard a lot of Kevin Durant before he got hurt. You just heard there was there was there's different names thrown, but the, the constant three that you pretty much heard was uh, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and Giannis Antetokounmpo pretty much the entire year. So what I'm going to do today, because. We still have not figured out how to properly figure out who is the MVP of the league. Every year, and, and I talked about this on, on my podcast a while ago. I talked about this on other people's podcasts. Uh, Shouts out to uh, uh, Janae Rochelle. I was on her podcast a while ago talking about this. We still have yet to figure out how to determine what an MVP is. So what I'm going to say something that may not be that con it's not that controversial, but I just feel it'll help us in the long run. There's a lot of people. Uh, what Giannis does is incredible. What, what what people do in the league is incredible. What LeBron James is doing, averaging the league, averaging or 
being the highest scorer in the league at his age is we've never seen. There are some incredible performances that we've seen this year. I mean, shouts out to DeMar DeRozan. We just saw another 50-point game. I think March we saw the most 50-point games. Uh, I think there was like 10 or, or 11 or something like that. The league is at an all-time high when we talk about talent. I mean, hell, Sadiq Bey from, from the Pistons had a 50-point game. There are some talented people in the league. But what I think that we should do, I've said this before, but I think that it's time that we really need to implement this and, and, and reiterate this. I think there needs to be two trophies. There has to be two trophies. There has to be a best player in the league award and an MVP. And why do I say that? Because the best player in the league is not always the MVP. And the MVP is not always the best player in the league. Let's talk about that for a second. When we talk about, let's, let's, let's stick with the best player in the league award. In my opinion, that's a very small list. I mean, Giannis is up there. Kevin Durant's up there. Of course, LeBron James is still up there. Steph Curry is up there. The best player, the best player in the league is who is the best player in the league. Now you have uh, you have players vote on it. You have media vote on it. You have coaches vote on it. Kind of how we do the the All Star. But the best player in the league is not always the MVP. And vice versa. The MVP is not always the best player in the league. For example, you can argue that LeBron James is still the best player in the league. It's an argument at this point, but you can still argue it. He's, what, 37 years old, averaging 31 points a game. While the Lakers are just god-awful this year, he has he's he's put in multiple 50-point games. He's He became second in the league all-time in scoring. You can have an argument that LeBron James is the best player in the league, but there's no way, in my opinion, that you can argue that LeBron James has been the MVP. Just look at, while yes, LeBron James has had an incredible year and had incredible stats, those stats have not triculated down to the team. Now, that's not really his fault. It's just the team, he has not been able to carry the team. But should, but should, be because the Lakers are so bad, should that overtake and, and outshine or outshadow, I guess you can say, LeBron James' season? I don't think so. We're hearing a lot of people now throw Giannis's name in the book as he is the MVP. You know, he had what three straight 40 point, 40 plus point games. He, he Giannis is incredible. But a lot of people, when they say that, they fail to mention that one Milwaukee is the reigning MVP. I mean, reigning champs, and they look better than ever. Wow, I mean, they got Sir, they they got Serge Ibaka. They they the Milwaukee is probably, arguably, the most complete team in this league, and I think that helps Giannis do what he does. Now, Giannis is the only person that can do what he does, but having a team with Drew Holiday, having, you know, being having a team that has Chris Milton, having a team that has Bobby Portis, and you know how to use him correctly, having a team that has Brooke Lopez that came back, having a team that has Serge Ibaka, that helps Giannis be able to do what he does. Does that take away from the fact that he is incredible? And am I saying that because he's surrounded by all those, those, that, those talented people? Does that does that mean that 
is that the only reason why he's great? No, Giannis, Giannis has, Giannis has abilities that we have damn near never seen. He is, he is, the dominance that he ensues is like Shaq, however, more mobile. We know how how crazy and how dominant Shaquille O'Neal was, especially in his prime days with, or hell, in his young days with Orlando, in the prime of his career in in Los Angeles, and even while it wasn't in his prime, kind of the tail end of his year, tail end of his career, when you know when we talk about the Heat, Shaq brought a dominance to the league that we've never seen. We are seeing it right now in Giannis. Does that Giannis has been more? Nah, this is gonna sound crazy. No, it's not. Physically, Giannis has been more dominant than LeBron James ever was. Physically. Now, I'm hearing a lot of people, hold on, chill out. <laughs> the people that are starting, starting to click in the comments, starting to send me things. I'm not saying that Giannis has been better than LeBron James. I'm not saying that at all. LeBron James is arguably the greatest player of all time. But when we talk about physical, LeBron James does has done things, you know, in his in his Cleveland days, in his Miami days, he's done things that we have never seen, and I don't think we will ever see again. But when we talk about sheer physical dominance, Giannis, in my opinion, is on a different level. Now, no, Giannis is not as good as LeBron James ever was, but Giannis is in that. There's a reason why Giannis has been playing for as short as he has, and he's on the top 75 team. That There's a reason for that. So going back to the point, when we talk, when we talk about the best player, again, the best player isn't always the MVP. In my opinion, yes, Giannis has been great. Giannis has been incredible, but I just don't think he's been the MVP. Even though he's had an incredible run, I think he may finish third, but I just th- I don't think he's the MVP, but that shouldn't take away from the fact that he's one of the best, if not the best player in the league right now. Again, there's arguments from for him. There's arguments for Kevin Durant. There's arguments for Steph Curry. There's arguments for LeBron James still. Let's go over to the MVP side, though. In my opinion, how you t- determine an MVP is is simple. Who is the most valuable player for their team? Who whose impact? Who has the biggest impact for the, towards their team's winning success? Now, in this point, winning does have to factor in. That's why you hear a lot of analysts throwing Devin Booker's name. To me, Devin Booker should be in the MVP conversation and Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul kind of negated himself out of that because of the injury. But even with Chris Paul being out, Devin Booker has carried them with Chris Paul being out. But you can also look at the impact that Chris Paul has on this team ever since he got to Phoenix a couple years or what two years ago. And it's been night and day. So Devin Booker should be in the MVP conversation. Is Devin Booker in the best players in the league conversation? No. But should he be in the MVP conversation? In my opinion, yes. John Morant. John Morant has, while I do think that if we're talking about the MVP, the the one thing that hurts John Morant, honestly, is how good Memphis is. Because I think they're like 18-2 or 19-2 without him. But John Morant, a, a, a uh, Memphis, a Memphis-led team is second in the NBA right now. 
You can talk about Luka. We know how bad they started off. That is Dallas. They started off. You trade Porzingis. I'm not saying it's all Porzingis, but Dallas did not start off good. Now Dallas is, I think, third in the West. Third in the West. I mean, you can you can throw in throw in Jason Tatum and how good how good, especially defensively, Boston has been this the last stretch of the year and how consistent Jason Tatum has been all year. Hell, if we talk about MVP, look at injuries kind of factor in. I know it's it's blasphemy to think, but injuries kind of factor in. Look at Steph Curry. Look at Golden State goes from arguably one of the best offenses in the in league history with Steph Curry on the court. With Steph Curry off the court, they are I think bottom I think they're like the second worst in the in the NBA. That should show you now there's now of course it's Steph Curry, but that should show you an MVP right there. Now I'm again for the chill out for the people that are starting to type in the comments. I'm not saying that Steph Curry is this year's MVP. What I'm saying is the MVP should be the MVP should be the person that has the most the the most value to winning on their team and ultimately how does that winning affect the league? Giannis is up there, of course. Um, I don't think that LeBron James should be up there because while he has an incredible he's had an incredible year statistic wise, that hasn't matriculated into winning. So, I. I in my opinion, Giannis has been incredible, and 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 this is no, this is I'm not targeting him. The reason why I'm using him as as a prime example because of how great he's been these last few these last few games. Now it's not it's been all season, but he's just been on another level this last like three or four games. I mean, again, had like. Three forty, three straight forty plus forty plus point games, just past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in scoring for but for the Bucks all time, so he's a perfect person to, to to single out, I guess you could say. But Giannis has been incredible. But when we talk about best player, and when we talk about MVP, there's a difference. There has to be a difference because while there are times where there is the best player in the league. It doesn't ultimately result in winning, i.e. LeBron James right now in the Lakers. And when we talk about MVP, there's a lot of players that should be should have consideration that won't because they may not be the most flashy players. They may not be the most their team. They may not be the most. Uh, talked about players they may not be in the in the most glamorous market however they're 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 winning or the the impact on their team should be is felt more which is why i think that they should be in the mvp conversation but they won't be because the mvp conversation is always crowded uh with with a lot of the best players so I, I just propose that there should be two awards. There should be the best player in the league award. There should be MVP award. That's just how I see it, man. That's how I see it. I, I, I still think, I mean, uh, going, there's about five or six games left in the, in the, in the regular season. I, I haven't seen anything, in my opinion, to dethrone 
Nikola Jokic as the MVP, seeing when I'm talking about the longevity of the season and how consistent he's been all season. I just don't, especially with working with what he's working with. I mean, if you look at what Joel Embiid is working with, even through even even before the James Harden trade, you had Seth Curry, you had uh, Tobias Harris, who's a solid or okay <laughs> third piece. You, you had Tyrese Maxey or Tyrese Maxey, who has been incredible this year. You've had some pieces, and then now, of course, you have James Harden, which we'll talk about in a second. But you had James Harden. And I'm, and, and I'm not, that's not taken away from Joel Embiid, of course, but you've had more talent around you than Nikola Jokic has. Again, Nikola Jokic's two best players have been out all season, which is Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. And there's still, it's with Will Barton and, and other players, it's been like a, a carousel of who's going, you know, who's going to be in the rotation. The one constant has been Nikola Jokic so in my opinion Nikola even though Giannis has been incredible he hasn't done enough in my opinion to dethrone Nikola Jokic for winning the MVP this year but if if we were doing what I would say and have the best player in the league award in my opinion it's kind of hard for me to give it to anybody but Giannis so at least right now uh, even though there could be an argument when you talk about LeBron James, when you talk about Kevin Durant, when you talk about when Steph Curry was healthy, but I would just give that to Giannis. So that's that's just how I see it, man. I think that there needs to be because the the because it's so blended, they 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 try to they try to bend, blend the best player in the league award. Uh, they try to bend the but let me say this: they try to blend the best player in the league with the MVP, and to me. That's that that does not work because as we're seeing, especially this year, the best player in the league doesn't ultimately doesn't ultimately result in winning. And that the the, the biggest case in the in the the the, the one th- the one case that kind of solidifies that, especially this year, is LeBron James. LeBron James is about to I think about to be like one of the oldest, if not the oldest player in NBA history to lead the league in scoring. Yet and still, the Lakers are fighting for a playing spot. And that's where we're about to come. That's where we're going next. So the NBA playoff picture is 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 coming up. You know, the, the, well, is wrapping up. Let me say that. The NBA playoff picture, the, again, there's about six or se- or five or six games left in the regular season. And you kind, you kind of get a sense of who's going to be at the top. You know, you kind of get a sense of what your team is going to look like going in. So the question is, the, right now the Lakers are in the 11th spot, meaning they're outside of the playoffs. Now, there's no question that this has been a failed season for the Lakers. I mean, you you bring on Russell Westbrook, you bring on Carmelo Anthony, you bring back players like Dwight Howard and key players that helped you obtain the title in what 2020 and when you have a team that's led by LeBron James that's led by well who you know LeBron James is led by Anthony Davis who had an incredible run uh in 2020 uh for the for the championship when you have Russell Westbrook the triple double triple double king you expect better you expect more than 
fighting for a playing spot. So the question, in my opinion, isn't will the Lakers turn it around? Hell, no. <laughs> We've seen this even with Anthony Davis. I think that with Anthony Davis, they have a chance to not only win the play, play in. Actually, that's it. Because we've seen the Lakers with Anthony Davis, and they've looked incredible sometimes this year, and they've looked god-awful most times, even with Anthony Davis. And even even with Anthony Davis, I don't see that. Okay, so if they were to win the, the plan tournament, that means they'll have to play the number one seed, which, which is what? Um which is Phoenix, and I don't see them beating Phoenix at all. So, and a lot of people, which, and I just did it. I just did it. But a lot of what a lot of people like to do is they talk about 2020 a lot. When we talk about championships, when we talk about the Lakers' recent success, they talk about 2020, just completely negating the fact that there is 2021 and the Lakers got bounced first round of the playoffs. Now, we did hear talk, you know, Anthony Davis said that if, if he wasn't injured, they would have, they would have, uh, oh, if it wasn't for injuries, you know, Anthony Davis getting injured, LeBron James kind of coming into the playoffs hobbled, it would have been different. I don't believe so, but yeah, it's, I think the question, at least for the Lakers, is what's next? Because again, I, I don't see any way that they, not only knock off I don't I could see them winning the play in tournament. I just don't see them knocking off Phoenix. So the question is what's next? LeBron James is a year older. To me it's gonna be incredibly hard for to 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 come up off of Russell Westbrook's contract, um, to come up off of, you know, Anthony uh, not Anthony Davis, all those other contracts. The real question and the, the argument that's been going around these past few days is should they look to trade Anthony Davis? And that's a complicated that's a complicated question with a complicated answer because it depends on what you value. It honestly depends on what you value, man. If the most the best ability, of course, is availability. And you cannot depend on Anthony Davis when we talk about availability due to his injury history. Hell, he's injured right now. I, I think he's supposed to come back. Uh, I think he came back last night, but he is still injured. So he and he's he's built up the reputation of being a fragile player. No disrespect to him. That's just what's happened. So you know it. If you if you value availability, which you should in the league, then you have to think about it. Especially a team that Anthony Davis is still young. Uh, Anthony Davis, when healthy, is still the top player in the league. You have to think about that. Now, then you go back. You have to then go back to what I just said. When healthy, Anthony Davis is still a top player in the league. You gave up pretty damn near your whole future for Anthony Davis because of the age and because of the avail or the 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 talent that he holds again at best when he is at his best you can argue that Anthony Davis is a top 5 player in the league at his best 
There was arguments going around at his best that who was better between Giannis and Anthony Davis. That's how good Anthony Davis can be. Hell, I will stand on a table. I will stand on my soapbox and say from here to to until the end of days that the 2020 championship, the finals MVP, in my opinion, should have went to Anthony Davis. Yes, Nate LeBron was great. I think he finished the finals with a triple-double. But they... That whole playoff run was Anthony was like the coming out party for Anthony Davis. Nobody on the Heat could slow down, and that's also that's also because Bam was hurt a lot of the time. But nobody on the Heat could slow down Anthony Davis. That's how good he was. So if you're looking at just talent, then no, you can't. You can't. And what you gave up for Anthony Davis, you can't trade him. That would be crazy. However, if you're looking at availability, you you have to think about it because he's not always available. So, but with the playoffs, let's 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 kind of move forward. With the playoffs, like I said, you're, you're seeing you're seeing pretty much what you're gonna get from these teams. Uh, and there's there's a lot of questions, but a lot of questions are pretty much answers. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's pretty much answers to a lot of these questions. Some answers people don't want to admit. Some answers are, are kind of clear as day. Like, one question is, is there anybody, in my opinion, it's it's Milwaukee in the East and then, then a country mile. Now, I understand the standings are, are you know, close. You have Milwaukee. You have uh, the Heat. You have Philly, like the standings are very close. But when you look at the talent on the floor and when you look at how teams play and and how teams gel and chemistry and who is their best player, in my opinion, there's not a there's not a team in the East that can really contest with Milwaukee right now. You have arguably the best player in the league in Giannis. You have everyone playing incredible basketball around him whether that's Chris Middleton, who is drastically underrated, whether that's Drew Holiday, who is drastically underrated, that getting Brooke Lopez back was huge, and he's drastically underrated. To me, they're just playing the best basketball, at least in the East. They're playing the best basketball, and I don't see any team really uh, – I don't see any team really – close i mean the heat are good but the heat are so i mean the heat are so inconsistent especially when we talk about offensively uh they just they just were on like a five game losing streak now i know they're on a two or three game winning streak at this point but they just got off a five game losing or four or five game losing streak and offensively who is their best offensive player is it is it Kyle Lowry? I don't. Is it? It can't be Jimmy Butler because he's been inconsistent, especially when you look at the numbers this year. Is it Tyler Euro who probably locked up the mo, uh, the Sixth Man of the Year award? Is it Bam? Like you don't really know. Yes, it's a rugged team. It's an it's a great defensive team. But when you have to lean on, especially today's NBA, when you have to lean on your offense, it's hard for me to trust the Miami Heat because. I, I've seen what they look like this year, and it has not been consistent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. What about the what about the Philadelphia 76ers? You have who you have a player who could possibly win the MVP this year in Joel Embiid. You have James Harden, who is an incredible player, top 75 player of all time, clearly. 
but they have a problem with keeping leads. Hell, you just had the other day, they just lost to the Pistons, a team that they should definitely beat. And they're pretty, you know, Doc Rivers was saying, no, this loss is on James Harden, which it was. James Harden has not been good. Now, I understand that James Harden, you know, it's a new system, it's a new team. You're still trying to figure yourself out, figure out the the rotations and everything. But you know, it's you. It's you. He has struggled, especially in fourth quarters, and it hasn't really just been with Philly. It was with Brooklyn as well. In fact, it was with this whole season. He's kind of struggled with fourth quarters, and I don't know how that's going to matriculate. We know James Harden has a propensity to kind of, uh, kind of. Uh, fade away in the playoffs and big moments we we've seen that throughout his career so i don't i i don't know when you put a great defender on him like a pj i mean like a like a drew holiday what happens there and of course you have Joel Embiid, and i, I don't I, I wouldn't put Giannis on him but what are you, you gonna put tobias harris on Giannis? no thank you so it, it's just hard for me to that's a question that I think kind of has clear answers right now. Now, anything can happen in the playoffs. I mean, nobody expected Atlanta to make it as far as they did last year. But, I, I, you know, I, I just think that Milwaukee is the best team, and it's not really even close. Even if they finish, even if they don't finish with the number one seed, I think they're the best team in the East, in my opinion. Because of how they're playing their best basketball at the right time. Giannis is playing his best basketball this year at the right time. And they're just, it's a complete team. To me, they're their most complete team by far in the East. So, another question is, and, and honestly, this, we have to be honest with ourselves. Another question that we're, another question that is kind of coming up with the playoffs approaching is, how can can uh can can Brooklyn really win this with a healthy Kevin Durant with a healthy uh with a healthy um Kyrie Irving maybe with a healthy Ben Simmons I don't know about next year next year maybe but I think I one you can't really we can't put all our bag, all our eggs in that Ben Simmons is coming back basket. I think that they there was just a report saying he's revving up rehab. Yo, there's there's like five games left in the regular season. So you think that Ben Simmons, who just got traded to this team at the trade deadline, is going to make a drastic, drastic leap forward in five games? Now. I am shocked as as most people. Like, yo, why the hell has Ben Simmons not played this year? Like, I why and why wasn't this injury that they're saying is so catastrophic about his back? Why was that not disclosed a long time ago? I don't know. So let's just talk about this year. Yes, Brooklyn, any given night, will probably have. The two best scores on the floor. Yes, Brooklyn probably has the best score in the NBA in Kevin Durant. Has one of the most unstoppable scores in the league in Kevin Durant. Has one of the most unstoppable finishers 
in the league, in, especially around the rim, you know, talking about below the rim, in Kyrie Irving, as one of the most clutch shooters in NBA history, in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Those are all facts. Those are all things that we know. Facts. But what, what, what a lot of people are doing is we're allowing the greatness of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to shadow or to blind us from everything else with Brooklyn. Everything else. And what do I mean by everything else? I was one of the people that stood on the table and said, yo, Brooklyn won this trade because they got exactly what they needed. They got a defender in Andre Drummond who can also be a a scoring presence in the paint. They have a three-point shooter in Kyrie Irving. I mean, no, in Seth Curry. Now you have Seth Curry, Patty Mills, and Kyrie. You have Ben Simmons whenever he plays, but he hasn't played. So, and who who's great defensively? But let's let's talk about what we're seeing right now. A. Ben Simmons ain't played yet. Don't look like he's playing this year. Okay. B. Yes, you have Kevin Durant. Yes, you have Kyrie Irving, who have been incredible. Oh, and I didn't even talk about this last episode, but. Kyrie Irving now, of course, is able to play home games. He's able to be a full-time player unless they go to Toronto because Toronto still has the the vaccine mandate for essential workers or whatever, so he wouldn't be able to play. But one of the biggest reasons why I didn't talk about that last episode because I wanted to tie it into this very point. Kyrie Irving... And this is no disrespect to Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, we've seen Kyrie Irving be incredible. He's a, I mean, we saw him hit one of the biggest shots in finals history. We saw him put up some astronomical numbers. We've seen that. But Kyrie was putting up 50s and putting up 60s and and going crazy when he was a part-time player because he didn't have to... (laughs) He didn't have to play the next game. Like, he would have a game, be off a couple days, come back, just destroy Orlando for 60, be off a couple days, come back, put up 50, be off a couple days. You realize, since Kyrie Irving's been to that full-time status, he hasn't been putting up. In fact, he's been struggling. Because it's different being a part-time player and being a full-time player. It's a different level of physicality. It's a different conditioning. It's just different. Now, am I saying that Kyrie Irving is is dropped off the face of the earth offensively? No. We know how Kyrie Irving is going to be a future Hall of Famer solely because of his offense. But we're not getting the same. Now, that could change, of course. But for right now, we're not getting the same 50-point Kyrie that we've been getting. Because his body needs to adjust to being a full-time player again. Also, people allow what, especially offensively, how incredible KD is, how incredible Kyrie is. They've allowed that to blind them to the fact that Brooklyn is playing probably the worst defense I've seen this. Like, they are probably the worst defensive team one of the worst defensive teams because the Lakers are still garbage, especially defensively. 
But Brooklyn is one of the one of the worst defensive teams that that's going to make into the playoffs. Hell, no offense to Giannis putting up forty and stuff like that's that's still a, a, a that's still a testament to how great he is. But Giannis wouldn't do that if Brooklyn played better defense. Brooklyn was going crazy. I mean, no. Milwaukee was going crazy on Brooklyn. Now, Brooklyn was up like 11 points, but Milwaukee ate that lead up quick. When you have Claxton, who Nick Claxton, he he has incredible intangibles, but he's just, he's not fully there. And then you have Andre Drummond getting ran out. Yo, it's still shocking to me how drastically Blake Griffin has fallen off the map. I don't think Brooklyn can win it this year. And honestly, I don't know if they can win it next year because they're really banking. I need to see how Ben Simmons plays. But they're really banking on the incredible brain, the incredible defensive play of Ben Simmons. Which, don't get me wrong, Ben Simmons was a, like he did finish second in, in defensive play of the year voting last year. But this team has a lot of holes. They have two really good hole plungers in, or hole plugs and Kevin Durant and Kyrie. But outside of that, they have too many holes for them to cover. That doesn't mean that Kevin Durant and Kyrie aren't great players. It doesn't mean they can't win you a series. But who are you picking? I understand, like, oh, it'll be so great to see a seven-game series against uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee this year. Okay. One, I don't think that series would go to seven games. Two, I think that Kevin Durant would be incredible. I think Kyrie Irving would be incredible. But, of course, I've said it this entire time because we know that. What? Where's that third? Because we know if Giannis doesn't play incredible, Chris Middleton can put a 40-bird on you quick. We know if Chris Middleton doesn't play well, Drew Holiday can put up a double-double quick. And Drew Holiday will sort of lock down your best player. There's a reason why Kyrie Irving struck any Guard pretty much struggles with Drew Holiday on him because he's one of the most underrated defensive players the league has seen in a ever. Who's the, who is stopping Giannis? No offense to KD, but defense isn't his number one trait. There's a reason why. There's a reason why Giannis had 44 the other night, man. And quiet as is kept, when you have Kevin Durant having to play defense, he doesn't really get off offensively as much as he sh- as much as we're accustomed to doing, which is why he only had like twenty three points against him. I just this has been a failed experiment, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is, Kevin Durant, you leave Golden State, Kyrie Irving, you you y'all both of you guys come to Brooklyn, expecting to just rule the East, expecting to 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 be. You know, putting Brooklyn, a, giving Brooklyn a viable chance to win. The problem is, outside of those two, now you did bring in James Harden, that just didn't work. But outside of those two, they don't have much. They don't have much. They don't have a championship team. They have two championship players. They don't have a championship team. When you look at some of the great teams in the re- in recent memory that ha- that didn't have the most solid team, but they, they still like, like gold, like, um, 
uh, uh, Cleveland, when they had Ka- Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and K- Kevin Love, they had complimentary pieces. They had a J.R. Smith. They they had a Channing Fry who who gave him solid minutes from time to time. They had three players that can do three different things. Kyrie Irving, solely score and dribble. LeBron James, do a bit of everything. Kevin Love, you're, you're, stretch, you're stretch big. And honestly, that team only won one championship. And I think that a lot of it was due to the, you know, the collapse of Golden State. But even they still won. So all I'm saying is you can have two great players. If you don't have a great team, as we've seen the entire, the entirety of the NBA, if you do not, you can have two great players, you can have three great players. Three great players is a lot different than two, though. But if you have two great players, but you don't have the team, you can look at the entirety of the NBA. They're not winning a championship. They do not have enough to win a championship. And honestly, even if you had Ben Simmons, which I think that definitely would drastically improve their chances, I just don't know. I don't think I would pick them over in Milwaukee. I'd have a hard time. Nah, I don't. I would just. I would have the only team I would have a hard time picking them over is Milwaukee. Honestly, I would have a hard time kind of picking them over Philly. Kind of, kind of. So all I'm just saying is, man, I just don't think Brooklyn has it, man. I just don't. And because of that, that's a failed experiment. I mean, to me, Steve Nash haven't hasn't been good. He's just had the luxury of having two of the top s- scores in NBA history. Like, I, he had three, honestly, and James Harden. That didn't work out. It, I don't know, man. And lastly, before we move on, a report came out saying that Steph Curry, who, of course has a sprained ligament after uh, Marcus Smart fell on his, his ankle. Seth Curry is is pretty much been ruled out for the regular season. Meaning that they're, you know, tests look good. They're trying to ramp up his, his, his rehab. They're trying to get him back by the beginning, the beginning of the playoffs. Golden State is in a, uh, interesting predicament. They find themselves in a very interesting predicament. What Golden State's trying to do is they're trying to they're trying to take uh, NBA's worth of history and throw that out the window. And honestly, they have a real shot of doing it. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? When we talk, let's let's go to Brook. Let's go back to Brooklyn for a second. What's one? What's the big? What's one of the biggest question marks that we had with Brooklyn, especially last year? Chemistry. Chemistry and health. You put 
a collection of talent. You put Kevin Durant, you put Kyrie Irving, you put Blake Griffin, you put LaMarcus Aldridge, you put Paul Millsap, you put Patty Mills, you put all these pl- – oh, no, Patty Mills wasn't on the team. But you put Paul Millsap, you put all these players on one team. All these players a lot – all these players that have been stars other places. Let's not disrespect LaMarcus Aldridge and Patty and, and Paul Millsap. They were monsters, when Patty, when Paul Millsap was on Atlanta, and when uh, Lamarcus Aldridge was hell, he was good in the Spurs, but definitely when he was on Portland. Hell, and Blake Griffin was on the Clippers. But one question that we always had was, do they have enough time to have chemistry, and will they be healthy going into the playoffs? Which turns out they they weren't healthy going to the playoffs. Kyrie Irving twists his ankle. James Harden had the hamstring thing. Bada bing, bada boom. Golden State has a lot of great pieces. A lot of really good pieces. You have Clay. You have Draymond Green. You have Jordan Poole. You have Andrew Wiggins. You have a really solid piece that a lot of people don't talk about for that team in Otto Porter. Kavon Looney. The problem is, though, Clay Thompson still is not back to the Clay that we saw due to the fact that he has missed two years due to an due to lower leg injuries, and they're hoping for him to get back to the Clay. They need him to get back to the Clay, especially the Clay that that's great defensively and the Clay that can go for sixty like it's nothing. They need that. They were hoping James Wiseman came back because he's a true big. Well, he's he's done for the season. Now he's not. They, they some, some some had a mishap in rehab, or they revamped him too fast, and now he's not. Now he's gone. Draymond Green had back injury. He's still trying to get back right because he's missed so much time. His defensive defensive cues and and the way that he's able to move on the floor that has been drastically affected, and they're hoping to get that back. And of course, the name that I didn't even mention yet, and that's Steph Curry, who will not be playing until the playoffs. Which what does that do? You have a team that is used to playing with Steph. That's used to a team right now. Because a lot of people talk about the championship DNA, which they have championship DNA because you have four players because nobody really talks well, five players because nobody really talks about Andre Goudal and Kevon Looney. But they have five players that's won multiple championships. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Goudala, and Kevon Looney. Oh, and of course, Steve Kerr, the coach. Those players have championship DNA, of course. But Look at you have one player, Steph Curry, who's not playing right now and hoping, hoping to get back before the beginning of the playoffs. And we know Steph Curry and his ankle injury history. Who knows? Clay Thompson, who has not looked like the Clay Thompson yet. They need they need him back. Draymond Green, who's also coming off an injury. Andre Gudala, who's also coming off an injury, and Kevon Looney. So you're depending on players like Andrew Wiggins, who has not been in this situation. Jordan Poole, who has not been in this situation. Bielitsa, who has not been in this situation. 
Damian Lee, who hasn't really been in the, he's he's been called on for like two minutes and then no. Now you're going to need Golden State is enter, entering into uncharted territories and they know it. It's like what happens when Steph Curry comes back? Hell, we saw Andrew Wiggins' game has not been the same, not only since All-Star break, but since Klay Thompson has been back because the minutes change. Now, minutes change and, and, and responsibility change. Now, Andrew Wiggins, that was maybe getting 15, 16 uh, shots a game, now gets 10. Jordan Poole struggled mightily once Klay Thompson came back because he went from a starter to a bench player. And his... Now, his production has increased recently, seeing, and it took a minute because he had to accept his time on the bench, and now Steph Curry's out. Now he's going crazy. But again, what happens when Steph Curry comes back? You have a player that has benefited greatly due to injury and, and Jordan Poole, seeing as though he's been a starter with Clay out and with Steph out. Now you have Steph and Clay coming, or Steph coming back, and Clay's here, so he goes back to the bench. How is he going to be able to, is he going to be able to, to be in that same mindset? Okay, let me get, you know, let me change. Golden State has a lot of maybes and a lot of ifs. Now, we've seen Golden State at their best. At their best, I had them winning the championship this year. But due to injury, due to Klay Thompson not looking the way that he's looking or the way that they thought he would look, due to not having James Wiseman, due to Draymond Green being hurt, and now due to Steph Curry being hurt, you're expecting them to throw away all the chemistry because there is, you do need, you're adding a lot of young players, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, throw out the chemistry. Hell, I didn't even mention Moody. Throw out the health. You're, you're expecting them to, to turn on a switch, which we've seen them do. We've seen them do that. You're expecting them to turn on a switch. One, we saw them do that with one of the greatest players of all time in Kevin Durant. And two, they were completely healthy pretty much. And even if they weren't healthy, even if Steph Curry went out, you still had Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Even if Clay Tom- even if uh, Kevin Durant was out, you still had Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green before Klay's injury, before Draymond Green's back injury, and, Clay- and Steph Curry was healthy. You're expecting people like Jordan Poole, like Andrew Wiggins, like uh, Steph Curry, who is coming off injury, like Kevin, uh, Clay Thompson, who isn't back to form yet, like Draymond Green, who's trying to get him back, get himself back to form. You're expecting them to flip the switch and go up against a Phoenix team who is probably the most complete team in the league and, and looks kind of like a clear-cut favorite, in my opinion, to win. Memphis team, who is playing... Uh, Above and beyond what I thought they would play, even without, um, even without John Moran, a Dallas team who has emerged as one of the best defensive teams in the league, also with Luca. I don't. It's it seems like a rough a a tough now. A lot of people keep saying, a lot of analysts keep saying, which I agree is just wait till they get healthy. But again, we're asking. We're asking or expecting Golden State to do something that we haven't seen done in history. And if we have seen it done, it's because they've had they, we're asking them. We're asking a team that is coming off injuries, that's coming off uh, 
that's having young players and that's honestly coming off their worst stretch of basketball to just flip the switch and flip the switch with players that aren't fully there yet, like Clay Thompson, like a Draymond Green, and the players that's not there at all in Steph Curry. We're asking them to flip a switch and be better than Phoenix, be better than Memphis, be better than Denver, be better than Dallas. And and Lord forbid they make it to the playoffs. I mean, make it to the finals. Be better than a Milwaukee or be better than Philly. Be better than Miami. I don't, look, <laughs> I'm not saying it can't be done because, again, you have three Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, and Steph, Dre, and Clay. But when you look at the landscape of this team right now, it's hard for me to see them flip a switch. Do I think they can be competitive? Yeah. Do I think that they can beat Denver? Yes. But it's just now that you're not a two or three seed, what happens? You know what I mean? Your road just gets that much harder. So instead of having to see Phoenix, if you're a two seed, maybe having to see Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals, now you drop down to a four, five, six seed. Because I think in the last seven games are one in six. So you drop down to a five, six seed. Now you have to play Phoenix round two. Or you have to play Memphis round two. So, you know. You know, it's been tough. But that's, you know, that's 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 the playoffs rolling around. Again, once we get to once we get closer to the playoffs, of course, we'll we'll, we'll once we get a a, a a a clear concise look of what the playoffs are going to look like, um, you know, we'll talk about it more. But those are my thoughts. <laughs> let's move forward. Man, let me let's let's move over to basketball, man. Oh, man, football, I'm sorry. Let shouts out to Bruce Arians, man. Bruce Arians and the Bucks just do it right. Shouts out. So the biggest news uh, was Bruce Arians stepped down as head coach of the Bucks and hands the job over to Todd Bowles, which then they negate his uh, defense or his, his defensive coordinator position or defensive coordinator contract and give him a five-year head coaching contract. I'm hearing a lot of reports saying that. Oh, not a reports. There's a lot of rumors saying that one of the biggest reasons or the biggest reason why Bruce Arians left was because of tiffs between Tom Brady, who retired and unretired. And, and I just don't believe that. I just think it was time. I mean, I just I just think he ain't want to do it no more. But the reason why I say shouts out to Bruce Arians, one who is an incredible coach, had an incredible coaching life. Shout, and of course he can always come back, but shouts out to shouts out to just his career as a as an incredible coach. But one the one of the biggest stories this entire offseason has been the treatment of African Americans, especially in head coaching jobs. With the whole Brian Flores situation and the fact that there's only there was only one black head coach for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was the biggest story. And it's very clear to see. I mean, we talked about the Rooney Rule updates 
last episode. But there's clearly, when there has to be a Rooney Rule in the first place, there's clearly a problem. And clearly when the Rooney Rule hasn't been working, there's a problem. And the Bucks or Bruce Arians knew that. Bruce Arians knows how 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 arbitrary the this this the the coaching coaching interviews go, especially for African Americans. So it's like, let me just bypass all this. Let me just bypass all this. Let me just retire and just give to Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, who has been in head coaching conversations for years now, ever since, well, for the last couple of years, and have yet to get anything. Let me just bypass all that. Todd Bowles is a great coach. Forget the whole interview process. Give it to Todd Bowles. This is this, a shout out to Bruce Arians because you don't see that a lot. You don't, you see, okay, uh, Bruce Arians retires. Now we're going to have Todd Bowles or whatever as an interim head coach, and then we'll find somebody else. And usually that's somebody else or someone. Hell, look at the David Cully situation. It's, man, I I really respect, they've, they've done it right, having pretty much an all-black staff. They've done it right, man. And and shouts out to Bruce Aaron. Shouts out to the Bucks. Shouts out to Todd Bowles. Black co- black coaches usually do not have a good have a have a have a have. They usually are set up to fail. Hell, look at outside of Mike Tomlin. Look at the black coaches in the league outside of Todd Bowles. Now, Lovey Smith is the coach of the Houston Texans. What do you expect the Houston Texans to do this year? That they didn't do last year with David Culley. They don't have Deshaun Watson now. He's off the team. What do you expect Lovey Smith to do that David Culley didn't? They just, they're set up to fail, man. And the fact that you look at, a lot of people were saying, when, when, we, when, when Todd Bowles' name gets brought up when we talk about head coaches, a lot of people want to say, well, did you, you remember his last coaching stint? Bro, it was the Jets. How the hell are you going to succeed with the Jets? The Jets ain't been good since Mark Sanchez was running into his own lineman's butt. The Jets. They ain't been good since Rex Ryan. And you expect any coach, whether it's, whether they're black, whether they're, they're Bruce Bill Belichick could not fix the Jets. You expect Todd Bowles to do that. Todd Bowles is an ex- exceptional coach. And I love the fact that Bruce Arians said, you know, we're not doing the whole interview process. We're not doing none of that. I'm stepping down. Give it to Todd Bowles. And they gave him a five-year extension. And I and honestly, I don't think that Tom Brady's gonna let or gonna gonna see the end of that five-year extension. So they're giving him an opportunity. I respect that, man. I respect that. And this also helps with Brian Leftwich. Because one of the biggest arguments and one of the biggest reasons why Brian Leftwich maybe didn't get some of the coaching jobs that were available was because people were questioning, okay, are you the one calling the plays or is it Bruce Arians? Now, I do think that's BS. Hold up. Hold up. I need to get his name right. I I need to get his name right. Um, cause it's Mike McDaniel, the same questions that Brian Leftwich was facing, Mike McDaniels was facing. 
So I still think it's BS, but it's true. They were saying, okay, you have you have Bruce Arians. Is Brian Leftwich the one calling these plays, or is it Bruce Arians? Now that Bruce Arians is gone, and you have Todd Bowles, who is a defensive-minded coach, now Brian, Brian Leftwich is pretty much like, hey, now it's time for me to showcase. I do think it's BS, though, and I'm not saying it's right, but that's what it was. It is BS because the same questions was with Mike McDaniel and – the 49ers, because it's, wait, isn't it Kyle Shanahan the offense? Isn't Kyle Shanahan the one uh, calling the plays? Even though Mike Mike McDaniels got the job for Miami, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying, this helps Brian Leftwich showcase the fact that, no, this is my offense. Let me show you what I can do. So, oh, man, this is just yet another win for the Bucks, man. They they And you don't see this happen a lot. Again, you don't, and that's why I'm. I I really appreciate it, man. You don't see this happen, especially for black coach. You see this happen all the time. Let me say this. Let me let me change. You see this happen all the time. A head coach steps down and promotes somebody else. Somebody else gets promoted. You very rarely see it be with a black person, though. And that black person actually gets an opportunity to showcase what they do with a five-year deal. Hell. He didn't. He didn't have to win a championship in five years, but I put money. The Bucks are going to look great in five years. Even with Tom Brady not being there, there's a lot of great. There's a lot of good players on that team. Well, there, there's a lot of free agents, but still, I just I respect it, man. So shouts out to Bruce Arians, walking out. You know. Letting, letting go of the head coaching range. Shouts out to Todd Bowles. Shouts out to Brian Lebel. Shouts out to the whole Bucks organization, man, for getting it right. So let's 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 move a little. Let's move forward. Um, we talked about Bruce Arians and we talked about transitioning, and there has been a lot of transitions this year, this off season. Probably the most we've seen in a while. Now, yes, there's still big players. And there's still great players that are still on the market. I mean, you still have Odell Beckham Jr. You still have Jarvis Landry. You still have Jadavion Clowney. You still have Tyron Matthew. There's still really good players that's going to get, you know, going to another team. And I'm not negating that. But I'm just talking about so far the top 10 moves that we've seen so far. Now, I'm also not including people coming back. Like, like I'm not Tom Brady unretiring is not on this list. Uh, Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay is not on this list. I'm talking about transactions. I'm talking about either players getting traded, uh, a, a free agent picking another place. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm giving my top ten. I'm giving my top ten. I'm gonna go with number ten. Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns. To me, this move is bigger for. Dallas than it is for Cleveland. If you want to know how important now, for some reason, Dallas has has wrapped their arms around Michael Gallup, uh, and and I guess they feel like he's the most important cog, especially in that wide receiver market or wide receiver room outside of CD Lamb. I would contest if you want to see how good and how valuable. Amari Cooper was look at Dak's numbers before Amari Cooper and after Amari Cooper I just think that that's that's going to be a huge blow now there has been a lot of players we talk about Amari Cooper when we talk about uh, CJ Wilson when we talk about Randy Gregory when we talk about uh, Lionel Collins like 
there is a lot of players that are not with Dallas anymore that are big parts of Dallas's success. And I think that Amari Cooper leaving was pretty much the 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 beginning of that. I guess you can call it a snowball effect. Uh, so I have that for number, and that's going to be huge for huge for the Browns. We don't know what's going to happen with Jarvis. I mean, they did release Jarvis Landry, but you're hearing they might come back. But outside of that, he, Amari Cooper is the number one receiver for a team. Now he he may not he may. I think the biggest problem with Amari Cooper is there are times when he just disappears in games, like. There's times when he looks incredible and looks like one of the best wide receivers in the game. Then there's times when you're like, oh, shit, Mario Cooper's been here this whole time. Look, what? And he's just perfectly fine with it. So I, I do think that Amari Cooper going to the Browns is a bigger effect for the Cowboys than it is for the Browns. But I, I have that at number 10. Number nine, I have Bobby Wagner and Allen Robinson to the Rams. When you you trade Robert Woods, Robert Woods he does get hurt last year, but you trade him and you lose Von Miller, I replace that with Allen Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner. Like I do now, Bobby Wagner is not the Bobby Wagner of Legion of Boom days. Clearly, that's that's been a while ago. But Bobby Wagner is still a very good player, and to lose Von Miller and to get Bobby Wagner and to get him. You're not getting you're not asking Bobby Wagner to be the Bobby Wagner of the Legion of Boom. You're kind of asking Bobby Wagner to do what Von Miller did and that's be clutch in, in big situations. Be be clutching in the playoffs. Like that's what you're asking him for and I think that he can do that. So and when you lose, you don't we don't know what's going on with Odell Beckham Jr. But you get Allen Robinson. A lot of people forget how good or a lot of people don't understand how good Allen Robinson is because he's been playing for a franchise that hasn't got the quarterback right in a while in 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 Chicago. You you pair him with oh, Allen Robinson is a number 1 receiver. Let's not get that confused. Again, a lot of people have a cleared or a, a, a cloudy a cloudy image of Allen Robinson because of the the mess that he's been playing with in Chicago, but Allen Robinson is a number 1 receiver. So you pair him with now uh Cooper Cup Van Jefferson and maybe Odell Beckham Jr. You know that was that was huge, especially losing what you lost to get what you got for the Rams. That's that's big. Number eight, I have Carson Wentz to Washington. I don't like the. I mean, I do, I don't like the move as a Washington fan, but but I will say that trying to put my you know I'm trying to be as as understanding as possible. But he was the best that you were going to get. You weren't going to get. Washington wasn't going to get Patrick Mahomes. They weren't going to get Russell Wilson. Clearly, they weren't going to get Aaron Rodgers. He was the best. He was the best on the market. I, I do think that he is a step up from uh, from Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, and Carson Wentz has his moments. Now, do I think that you, Washington's a championship team with Carson Wentz? No. Do I think that Washington can win the NFC East with Carson Wentz? I do, because of. A lot of the pieces that Dallas has lost, and a lot, you know, you still have Terry McLaurin, you have Curtis Samuel. Hopefully, he he gets a full season. You have Antonio Gibson. You have some pieces, and of course, we know about the, the incredible defense they had. They did lose Landon Collins, but Landon Collins hasn't really been a positive for Washington for a while. So, I do think that Washington has an opportunity to win the division. I just don't think that they're a championship team, but I do think that it was huge getting Carson Wentz because it kind of I mean, 
again, they, they needed a, they, they he's better than Tyler Taylor Heineke. I will say that. And he is the best quarterback that was available. I mean, if you look, he's better than Marcus Mariota. He's I don't know if he's better than Baker Mayfield, but we did know about the Sean Watts situation. Uh, I think that due to the so due to the 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 surgery, he's better than Jimmy G. So uh, maybe Matt Ryan though, but I don't think Matt Ryan with the whole trade clause. I don't think Matt Ryan would have went to Washington. So I have Carson Wentz number eight, or Carson Wentz going to Washington at number eight. Number seven, I have Von Miller at Buffalo. They they got they got Von Miller solely for the playoffs. They saw what Von Miller did and how he electrified that, alongside, of course, Aaron Donald, electrified that Rams defense, especially in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. They Buffalo had an incredible defense last year. The only thing that they struggled with is big stops at big moments, i.e. This, the, the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, which is why they changed the whole overtime rule. You bring on a player like Von Miller. Now, I do think they possibly gave him, they overpaid for him, but you're you're getting him for his presence. You're getting him for his play. I mean, he's a two-time, two-time Super Bowl champion, one-time finals in, or Super Bowl MVP. So I just think it was huge. They they in, they improved on an area that they needed to improve, and that area was big stops and big plays. Now you have a player that can get to a Lamar Jackson, that can get to a Joe Burrow, that can get to a Patrick Mahomes for a sack in big moments. That's how big Von Miller is. Oh, that's how important Von Miller is, I think. And, of course, he brings championship to DNA to a team that doesn't have it. So I have Von Miller to the Buffalo Bills at seven. And Matt Ryan to the Colts at six. Uh do I think that this makes do I think that this makes the Colts a Super Bowl champion contender? No. But I do think that a lot of people sleep on or a lot of people view Matt Ryan in a way that they kind of view Carson Wentz in the sense of they don't have it anymore. Matt Ryan is not and I said this when the trade happened, or yeah, Matt Ryan is not good enough to elevate elevate a poor roster what Matt Ryan is good at though is to have a really good roster and take them far now far I don't know how far is that's that's to be determined but I do think that he's still good enough to have everything good around him and go far and I think that the Colts I mean you give up Carson Wentz and you get Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan even though it didn't amount to a lot of winning they, he still had a solid statistical season last year. So I think that he's going to be good for the Colts. I honestly do. So I have Matt Ryan to the Colts at number, number five. Number six. Number five, I have J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack to the Chargers. I think the Chargers have the – I think with this move, the Chargers' biggest problem last year was kind of like the Buffalo Bills. Big stops at big moments. You bring in arguably the best safety in the league, and you bring in a Khalil Mack, who, while Khalil Mack is not, I think I don't know you. I think that we still need we still have questions about Khalil Mack as far as is he not the Khalil Mack that he used to be due to injury, or is are we just seeing a Khalil Mack that played for Chicago that had no direction? I just think this is huge. You're you're asking a team that their biggest struggle was defense. And you have two uh, premier players going to the team, kind of like with the with the Bobby Wagner, Allen Robinson situation. The difference is 
to me, the Chargers are better than the well, the Chargers have the opportunity to be better than the Rams. Or let me say this the players that they got in their in their current years in the league are better. JC Jackson and, and Khalil Mack, in my opinion, are better at this point in time than Bobby Wagner and Allen Robinson. Do I think that there was a time when Bobby Wagner was better than both? Of course. Do I think that Allen Robinson was great? Yes. But I just think that you're getting J.C. Jackson in his prime, and we still need to see about Khalil Mack, but we know how good Khalil Mack is. And we still have we still have questions on the head coach and, you know, clock management, time and play calls. But you, you know, you get J.C. Jackson, you get Khalil Mack, you re-sign Mike Williams. I just think that the sky is the roof, or the ceiling is the roof for uh, – for the Chargers, so I have that at number five. Number four, I have Deshaun Watson to the Browns. Now, honestly, this could be one or two. The only thing is, I just don't think Deshaun Watson will play a lot next season due to the due to those civil civil suits, and I'm sure he's going to be suspended. We don't know how long. It could be six games. It could be ten. Who knows? Uh, and there's 22 civil suits, by the way. I just, if we talk about the sheer player. Deshaun Watson, at his best, is a top five player in the league, and you go to the Browns. Now, you need to figure out what happened with Baker Mayfield, but I just think that you get a you get the premier player. Now, we, we can have a long, in-depth conversation, which we've had before, but we can do that about, you know, did the league care about the women? We can do that, and yeah, but we're just talking about on-paper football moves, and Deshaun Watson going to the Browns, especially when you have a great offensive line, when you have a really good defense. We need to see about Jadavion Clowney, but it's looking like it's kind of leaning towards him re-signing with Miles Garrett. Oh, and you get Amari Cooper. Again, the only reason why I have this at fourth is because you don't know how much he's going to play the first year, and that is Deshaun Watson. So I have that at number four. Number three, I have Tyreek Hill to Miami. To me... This is huge on a lot of a lot of fronts, man. This is huge for the for let's let's just speak on Miami side. Now you have arguably two of the fastest players in the league in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And you really have no excuse if you're if you're Tua. If you're a Tua if you're a Tua like Tua has to ball out. Do I say you have to win a championship? No. But you have to you have to at least make the playoffs. You have Gasecki, you have Waddle, you have Tyree Kill. This makes their offense. So Tua is not Tua. You can't ex, if you're Tyree Kill, you can't expect to have those sixty yard bombs, those fifty yard bombs that you're used to with Patrick Mahomes, because Tua is not that type of player. But the excuses are pretty much over with for Tua as far as you have the weapons now. They you you have the weapons. So and and, and on the Chiefs side. This is a huge loss. Uh, you still have Patrick Mahomes. You still have Tyreek. I mean, you still have Travis Kelsey. But you're losing a premier wide receiver. And now, you, you while you do get Juju Smith-Schuster, you do get uh, Marquez or Valdez-Scantley. You do not have that deep threat like Tyreek Hill anymore. Valdez Scanley can kind of be that, but he's not Tyree Kill. Let's 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 get that your head now. So it's a big loss. It's a huge loss. Um, I, I do think that both teams will feel the impact. I think that the Miami Dolphins will feel the impact of Tyree Kill. It's just 
mostly on Tua. Like, how is Tua going to be able to to adjust? And I do think that the Kansas City Chiefs will feel the impact of not having Tyreek Hill, not having that that deep threat safety net that they've had. Now, I do think that the Chiefs can overcome that because you have Patrick Mahomes, and he's still the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. But I do think that was a huge move. That definitely changed the dynamic of the Chiefs a little bit. Again, Juju Smith-Schuster and VSG is or VSG, or MSV is not Tyreek Hill, like combined. So, but you still have Patrick Mahomes and and Travis Kelsey. So, but I do think it's, it's still huge. Number two, I have Devontae Adams to Vegas. This kind of the same thing as Tyreek Hill. This affects both teams drastically. When we talk about the the Green Bay Packers, if you look at the Green Bay Packers wide receiver core, I mean. Devonta Adams is arguably the best wide receiver in the league, and he was he, he was Aaron Rodgers' number one, two, three, and fourth option. We saw that in the playoff game against the 49ers. He, if it wasn't Devonta Adams, he wasn't passing the ball. That's just how it was. I mean, you tried to pass it to Mercedes Lewis, it just it didn't work. He's not doing like Devonta Adams was a huge part. You're losing arguably the best wide receiver in the game. Well, yes, you have. Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers can can get the ball to anybody. It's different from getting the ball to Alan Lazard and getting the ball to Devonta Adams. It's just different. And if you look at the wide receiver room for for Green Bay, you lose a VSG, you lose or VSV, MSV, you lose Devonta Adams. It's it's, it's you don't know what's gonna happen with Robert Tanyan. You know, it's it's tough. And for Vegas. All we've heard is if Derek Carr had a number one receiver, well, you got it. You got your best uh, your best friend because they both went to Fresno State together. The excuses, kind of like for two of the excuses for David Carr is, or Derek Carr is kind of over with. I mean, now you have Devontae Adams. Now you, you, you have uh, Darren Waller, who is arguably – the a top well definitely he's top three tight ends in the league. You have Hunter Renfro, who's a deep threat and a, and kind of like a gadget guy. You have Josh Jacobs, an incredible running back. I do think they need to focus, especially in the draft, need to focus on uh, well, do they even have draft picks? Or try to focus on a, uh, the 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 offensive line because Leatherwood ain't it. Like everyone said, even at the draft. But yeah, the Devonta Adams. This is such a shift for both Green Bay and for Vegas. This puts Vegas solely in or this puts this makes Vegas definitely competitive in the AFC what West race because I mean you still have Patrick Mahomes, you now you see what the Chargers are doing. You you have to be competitive. You have to you have to be competitive. So I just think that this puts them solely in the race. And number 1, I have Russell Wilson at Denver. That, that, that shouldn't even be a question. All we've heard is, yo, Aaron Rodgers can go to Denver. If Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver, that's, that's, that's the best place for him. That's the best place for him because he has all these weapons. You have Aaron Rodgers. You put Aaron Rodgers on Denver. They're automatic Super Bowl champion. Well, they didn't get Aaron Rodgers. You know who they got, though? <laughs> they got Russell Wilson. Who? Well, yes, he didn't have the greatest campaign last year due to the fact that he was hurt and – Everyone like the offensive line around him was god awful. You know, I went to, <laughs> I went to a, uh, I went to a Seattle, Seattle when they played Washington Monday Night Football. I went to that game. I was working that game. I was on the sideline. I was on 
I was on Seattle sideline working camera for Monday Night Football. Yo, that offensive line is god awful. It was horrible. Like I saw that I knew it was bad. We knew that his offensive line was bad, but I didn't know how bad. And their defense was not good either. Washington won that game, actually. And they had no business winning that game. It was it was bad. So you go from that to a Denver team that has Judy, that has Sutton, that has Williams at the running back position, that has a great, a really good def- like and a and a and a new he- an offensive head coach. Like it, if you think if you if you if you have any questions and you still question like how how impactful uh, Russell Wilson to Denver is look at Seattle right now that's all I gotta say about that <laughs> those are my top ten men who is your t- who is someone that I left out who do you think I sh- who 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 is uh, do I do you like my list. Let's let's talk. What do you think about this NFL offseason, especially with the trades and free agency signings? Uh, who do you think is going to be the next big free agent? Like, I wonder where Tyron Matthews is going to go. I wonder where uh, Odell Beckham is going to go. And I, it's also funny how I hear all these free agents and stuff, and not I don't hear anyone going to Green Bay anymore. So, but yeah, man, that's my list. Let me know how you feel. Let's let's move forward. Um, Team USA. Team USA was breaking news the other day. They uh they got drawn. You know they they're in the World Cup. They missed last time because they just aren't that good. But they 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 made it to the World Cup. Uh, or let me say this: they made it to the qualifiers, and they have been drawn into Group B. Now Group B it consists of England, Iran, and the winners of like UK, Wales, and like somebody else. I forgot the other team. But that's pretty favorable. Uh, the, their biggest competition is, of course, England, in that in that in that that group. And I think if they win, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to beat the the second or second place team in Group D, which is like France, Denmark. Yeah, man, I think they have a pretty favorable match. But again, you never know with Team USA men's. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. They they didn't. I mean, if you look, they better be lucky they didn't get Group C, which is Argentina, Mexico, Poland, Saudi Arabia, or Group E. Jesus, Germany, Spain, hell, or Group G. Good lord, Group G: Brazil, Switzerland. So, yeah, man, they got themselves a favorable group. Group B: England, Iran. All teams they can their biggest competition is probably England and maybe Wells because they got to go against what Garth Brooks or something. Um, that's this name is definitely not Garth Brooks, <laughs> the Garth dude. I got his name, but um, yeah, man. Uh, shouts out to Team USA. Hopefully, they do something. I don't expect them to because Team USA is never that good, even though Christian Ballistic is arguably like the a lot of people are saying he's like the greatest team player we've ever had since like Landon Donovan and he's probably better than Landon Donovan and he's young so that's that's interesting but and he's he's been great like he's he's been incredible he's he's played like the best um but you know just interested to see so uh and before we go shouts out to Aaliyah Boston for winning 
uh, Naismith Women Player of the Year. Now I'm recording this actually during the f- Women's Final Four, so I don't have any updates for you. I'll talk about it on one. Damn, next time we talk, there'll be the national championship. We'll talk about it. But yeah, so I'm not. I don't have an update because I'm, I'm doing this during the Final Four. But shouts out to Aaliyah Boston for winning uh, Naismith Women's Player of the Year. She averaged. 17 points a game and 12 rebounds. She was incredibly dominant. And also, shouts out to Oscar uh, Oscar Shingwei for winning AP Player of the Year. He averaged 17 points a game, 15 rebounds. Now, like I said, this is before we go. The Naismith Player of the Year and the AP Player of the Year is not the Wooden Award winners. Now, Aaliyah Ball, to me, it's... It kind of goes back to the MVP conversation that we talked about the beginning with, you know, the NBA, the beginning of the show. So there's a there's I think the wooden awards is like April 8th, I believe. And. To me, there's two completely different contrasts when we talk about the men's wooden award uh, finalist and the women's. Now, when you look at the women's. You have players like Shakira Austin, who was incredible for Ole Miss. You have Aaliyah Boston. You have Kaitlyn Clark. You have Nas Hillman from Michigan, who was great. You All these players were great. You have Haley Jones. You have Angel Reese. Shouts out to Maryland. You have uh, Nalija Smith. All great players. However... You're kind of, they're kind of zeroing on two, zeroing in on two players. Aaliyah Boston and Caitlin Clark. And if you go over to the men's wooden awards, you have of course Oscar Shimboy, you have Drew Timmy from Gonzaga, um Ochai Obaji from Kansas, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, and Keegan Murray from Iowa. They're kind of zeroing in on Oscar Sheboy and Ochi Obaji. Let's just speak on the women's first. Let's speak on Aaliyah Boston and Caitlin Clark. To me, it kind of goes back to we t- and shouts out to Tykira Carter. She came on the episode. She came on uh, the podcast a couple episodes ago, and we talked about the we we kind of touched on the fact that. Kaylin Clark and Aaliyah Boston have both had incredible seasons. The diff, the problem, I'm not going to say, the difference is, Kaylin Clark, Aaliyah Boston has been doing, like, mm, how am I going to say this? For Clay, it's kind of like the flashy pick or the, the best pick, in my opinion. And that's kind of the same, it's kind of drastically different but sort of the same way for the men's side. They're kind of, you have the flashy pick for the men's, Oscar Shibay, who was incredible. Like I said, he averaged 17.4 points a game and 12 rebounds. He was a monster for Kentucky. But And Kentucky, I mean, he was their best player, obviously. But then you have Oach. Ochai Abaji, who isn't the most flashy, wasn't the most flashy, yet he is, I'm not going to say the sole reason, but he's the biggest reason 
why Kansas is now playing in the Final Four. And while he didn't have the most flashy numbers, he had nine, well, 19 points a game, five assist, or five rebounds, two assists a game. But his impact was felt more, in my opinion, than Oscar was. For his team, for the Kansas Jayhawks, he, he as far as O.J. Abaji, was the calming storm. And, and he wasn't the most flashy like Oscar was. And Oscar was incredible, especially. We talk about defensively. He averaged almost like, how many... I think he averaged like five, like four, three or four blocks too. Like that's like that's he's been incredible. But I still think, I think Oscar is probably going to win the Wooden Award. But I, I would question, you know, does has he's been great? Don't get me wrong, but has he had the same amount of impact that Ochai Abaji has for Kansas? Because Kansas right now. It's and he and he has been by far the best player for Kansas. Yeah, they have McCormick, but he has been by far the best player for Kansas. And they're playing, they're they're playing in the final four. Same thing as Caitlin Clark and Aaliyah Boston. Aaliyah Boston has been incredible all year. She's been consistent all year. She's had one of the most dominant performances we have seen ever in college basketball or women's college basketball that is what Aaliyah Boston is doing and she's been so consistent this entire year and while Kaylin Kaylin Clark has been crazy has what she's done really really impacted winning as much as what Aaliyah Boston's done so in my opinion I would give the woman wooden award to Aaliyah Boston and I'd give it even though Oscar Sheepway has had incredible Season, I would give it to Oche Abaji. That's just me. So, it's just me. But there you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Um, If you want Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Whatever color you're feeling, I got you. Whatever design you're feeling, I got you. Just click on the link below. Click the click your whatever design you want. Click whatever color you want. Check out. Boom is going to you. I appreciate you guys. Also, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. I'm trying to get the algorithms going, man. I'm trying to get more people to to experience the unpopular podcast, and I can't do that without you guys' help. If you can, comment, like, share, tell a friend to tell a friend. The only way that I can get more engagement is. For you guys' help. So if you can, hell, on DSPs, rate it. I, I, it would definitely mean a lot to me. I hope you guys have an incredible weekend. And until next time, much love. Came through with a bad bitch and tight britches. Made the whole book on flight. I'm tight vicious. Black boy flies, stupid racks, oysters on my plate. So much bread, I think I got white privilege. Access to five-star rooms and white bitches. I dreamed it like Bean Cosby dreamed a white Christmas. At the shows, fucking on the slutty snow bunnies. I done came to the conclusion that I only like sisters. And that might be a hard pill to swallow for a few. She had dreams of fucking cold and even her father would approve. Yes, yeah. honey, you can fuck him. Look what a dollar bill would do. Make them bougie bitches working up in Prada smile at you. Yeah, I know you hate a nigga, but I'm still smiling too. Will that be all, sir? That'll do. Get money attitude. You weren't supposed to catch no feelings, bitch. We had a rule. 
Netflix when you come through, they ask You niggas still watching on the TV prop She give me dome, I catch some Z's I call her ZZ Top I keep it PG when you see me, but I he he not You go against the mob, you might just get your pinky chopped I can't believe he think he hot in his CD flop Hey, I done seen too many white folks in dashiki Stop, cold bitch, the flow switch like every fall I was very poor, now I ball like a young Demi Moore Henny pour on any floor Pain seeping out my memory's pause Lord forgive me for the times I didn't follow It was reflected in my music, all my shit was hollow But now I spit with hollow tips and follow with the pyro I'm politic, you ride the list and call out sick tomorrow I'm ill, fuck how you feel Don't need no goofy ass Richard Mill For your bitch to tell that I'm rich as hell Nigga you know what I mean? And that'll be all, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. I appreciate you for coming out tonight. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. If you'll check us next time, same time, same locations. <laughs> we know the fuck shit up every time we step on this motherfucking stage. That's right. And this is just a mixtape. Ah. You asked for it. You asked for it. Eat what up.